Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Of these last three messages, we, we talked about hope is here, uh, the journey to the cross. And Pastor David Sherman was exceptional last week. And I you use that word carefully. If you haven't heard it, I'd encourage you to listen to the podcast. And I mean, it was my joy to share uh, on Friday. We had an amazing service uh, together, didn't we? For those who were here, give me a wave if you were here. It wasn't just the chips that were brilliant. It was just the whole thing, just the service and just, you know, and if I can just reference some of the guys who just were involved in, in that, just a beautiful song from Kevin Annie and Jay Trivedi. Uh, you know, he wrote that, the spoken word. It was outstanding. Again, Mike, you've now got me on a careful, you know, because he said just use words carefully, but it was outstanding. And, uh, you know, there's a real anointing on you, Jay. I've said this to you privately. I'm now saying it publicly. There's an anointing on you to actually write those things and it won't just be for here this locality it'll be further afield God will use your words to bless and minister to many many others in Jesus name so it's just remarkable and we talked about hope is here in death and and we explained that I encourage you to listen to that podcast too but this morning we talk about hope is here and this is resurrection Sunday but before we dive into the Bible together it was interesting that uh, the the previous leader of the Liberal Democrats this is not me being political put out a tweet with regards to his Christian faith it was a wonderful tweet actually but as I just followed the link there was all sorts of Dreadful comments that were being made. People overcomplicating it. People slamming him down for his Christian faith. I mean, one thing I love about this, this, this country is that we have something called the freedom of speech. That means to say there are some people who will disagree with me, but I'm not going to slam them down just because they believe something different to me. In the same way, please, with my faith, don't slam me down just because I believe certain things. Can I hear a big amen? I have a faith in my heart. I have a confidence in that faith. And I don't want anybody to be silent to me. I'm not trying to be cruel. I'm not trying to be, you know, trying to stir wars up. I just, you know, have a faith. And this man clearly has a faith. And they were overcomplicating it. And it got me thinking about Resurrection Sunday. Because people overcomplicate the gospel message. They overcomplicate this story. And they overcomplicate it is because they're not coming at it through the eyes of faith. You see, the message of the gospel is not difficult, but so few receive it because it takes faith. And faith is knowing, believing, experiencing without seeing. I recently heard a pastor, I've referenced this at a funeral that I took recently. He was talking in response to a questioning of faith in God and the Bible, the reality of the Bible. And this is what he says. I believe it's scientifically impossible for a man to live inside of a fish for three days. I also believe it's scientifically impossible for an ocean to part and for people to walk over on dry land. I also believe it's scientifically impossible for a virgin to have a child. And I believe it's scientifically impossible for a man to walk on water. I also believe it's scientifically impossible For a man to be raised from the dead. That doesn't prove the Bible is not true. It just proves that God is God. This proves that we have a supernatural, miracle working God. That's what that believes. That's what that proves. And if you're here today 
and you're trying to make sense of this, you've got to, I just pray, I've been praying while I was in my office, that you'll just approach these 20 minutes through the eyes of faith. That God will just peel back the, the, the curtains of your heart to help you to see that in your blind eyes, in your blindness, that God would help you to see. Because there was a moment in all of those people who've raised their hands and sung songs with me that that's exactly what happened. None of us believe this stuff, but God just revealed it to us as our hearts were open. And I pray that that's what will happen. So today, by the power of your word, I pray that revelation would come to every life, every person who hears my voice, would revelation would be theirs and they would step into faith with you, with you Lord. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here or the new has come. Let me tell you, Resurrection Sunday, hope is here, is there is a new message, there is a newness, this was the dawn of a new era, we'll come to that in a moment, at the point of resurrection, Jesus being raised from the grave, and the tomb being opened, and people beginning to realise it, it ushered in a new dawn, a new era, a new age of things to come. Now, you need to understand, we'll come back to that in a moment. I'm actually, for those who know me, a very determined person. So, you know, I'm very, very determined. Now, I also believe, and hopefully, that I come across quite cuddly. (laughs) Some of you are a little bit unsure about that. (laughs) And approachable. I hope that is the case. But you need to understand, and for those who know me well, there's also, at the other side, there's a clear-cut and decisive me. Because I have to make decisions about people and for people. But the one thing I love about what I get to do is when God begins to do a new thing in people. Listen... I'm not in the business of writing anybody off, but there are some people you look on and you think, will there ever be change? And I love it when God shows me what he can do in a life that most people write off. God begins to do something in me. In fact, it's been a journey of over many years now that I think there's more of God's grace that washes. Actually, there's more decisiveness that washes over me, but there's more grace that washes over me at the same time. It's like a double-edged sword that happens. But there's this grace because I realise that God can do anything with any life. I love to see people who were once living one way and now through his love, God's love and his correction, I love to see those people's lives change for the better. There begins a new way. This is what we've talked about. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old goes, it's like the peelings of an onion that come off our lives. And there's a new heart. There's a new mind. There's a new language. There's a new way. Does anybody here know what I'm talking about? There's just something that happens and it is wonderful to behold. And I am thrilled to belong to a community of church where this is happening every single year. There are countless of stories 
across this congregation and across Mansfield. And I was reflecting this morning that this was a, it's a year today since we launched formally the Sunday morning in Mansfield. And, uh, you know, Phil, there was, there was numbers of people who responded to salvation at Good Friday and well over 80 people that are there on a Good Friday evening. Uh, I, I would have thought they'll be, you know, breaking into well over 100 people today uh, in, the, in the life of the church. It is remarkable to see what God is doing in people's lives. He's changing lives in Mansfield and he's also changing lives in Ilkeston too. Countless stories of changed lives where they've entered into something new. I love the fact that, you know, there's the, I've referenced it before, the lenses of this world do, you know, quite frankly, professional and, you know, there's numbers of you here and God just did a great thing. She was over in Aldi and she, she was just felt compelled to come to this place. And as a result of that, weeks later, committed a life to Jesus Christ. There's also people here who've come from an addictive background. I am, I, I am going to reference you, Mel. Just, just, I know you always fall, but Mel coming from an addictive background and it's just been remarkable to see what God is doing in you and through you. It's wonderful. And in both stories, the key to this is staying close to Jesus. If you stay close to Jesus, you've got nothing to worry about. People fall by the wayside because they wander from Jesus. If we stay close to him, we have nothing to fear. So there's all kinds of countless stories of how God is doing something new. And this is the power and this is the hope of resurrection. He takes things that were once dead and makes them new in him. This is the story. This is the hope that we carry. This is why we can say hope is here. I said on Friday night that Christmas is the promise, but Easter is the proof. Christmas is the promise, but Easter is the proof. And we read in Mark in chapter 16, the first three verses were of a group of ladies that were running towards the tomb of Jesus. They wanted to minister to Jesus' body and they were up, and, and it's interesting, it was, they, were, they were women. That's why we have a, not this is why we have a, we have a value on women and men in this church. Yeah. And the first people who were there were women. Yeah. And they were a little confused because it talks about, in verse 4 of Mark chapter 16, that they looked up, and they saw the stone where Jesus had been laid, and it was very large, and it had been rolled away. The tomb where Jesus' body was laid, the stone had been rolled away. And as they entered into the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. You see, as they went to the tomb, they realized and recognized the grave could not hold Jesus. He overcame all the powers of darkness. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Through the death and through the resurrection, he overcame all sin, all shame, all guilt. Every mistake was dealt with at the cross and at the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. His resurrection declared and declares that he has won. He is an all-conquering saviour. We are not looking for a messiah. We have found him. But he is not in the grave. He is risen from the grave. And what I love about this story as well, because I've been reflecting quite a bit, and and I referenced this last time I led, um, because I was just thinking about labels. I mentioned that because we've been talking with Bob and the community trustees. And, you know, at this, at this uh, junction, at this, at this point, at this crossroads of the resurrection, you know, what I love about it, when I just delved a little bit thought and just meditated for a moment, I was thinking, you know what? He took all those things, sin, guilt, shame, all that. But you know what else he took? He took our labels, took our labels. Let me, let me qualify that. But before I do that, let me ask you a question. Because it's easy for us to just tell the story. I'm not telling a story this morning. I'm trying to minister simply into every life and just draw a response from us. But I wonder, what label are you carrying? What label are you owning? What, is, what have people spoken over your life? I wonder what kind of cruel things that people have said to you. I wonder how you've walked into this building today. Some of you have been walking in over many months and many years and you're still carrying the same label over your life. And Jesus, through his death and through his resurrection, he has overcome every label that can be registered against us. I really believe that with all my heart. Some people come in and we joke about it, don't we? We do that. The L, the loser. Some people have come in with a label of, you're a loser. Because you've been told constantly, you're a loser. You've been told by everybody that you're a loser. Some people have come in here as a divorcee. You're divorced. Not just once, but twice. Some even three times. And you're divorced. And you've come in as a label, and that's been a shame to you. Some people here have come in with a label of, you have been abandoned. Some people here, I felt very strongly because I was just mulling over whilst I was in worship. Just the thought of orphaned. Some of you here today, you carry an orphaned spirit, an orphaned label because you felt abandoned. Abandoned. Labels. It may be you're here as a bankrupt. It may be you're here as all you've ever heard about your life is you're uneducated. In fact, worse than that, because that's a nice way of saying it. You're stupid. All kinds of labels that can be registered against every one of our lives. Things that not God puts on us, things that the world puts on us, things that the enemy puts on us. And let me tell you, when Jesus went to the grave, he didn't just go for our sin, our guilt, our shame. He did, but he also went to break every label that would ever be over our lives. Can I just get a response from this congregation? Every label that has ever been put over your life, Jesus purchased it all. So you are labelless. You have been given, as we've been talking about newness, you have been given a new label. You have been given a new name. You have been given a name that, that it holds to, 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 to the, the Son of God. You have God's name over your life. Can I hear a big amen? And his resurrection love 
And grace is enough to break every label. You see, in this resurrection newness, there is new ways, new, new, new eras, new, new beginnings. And there were three things that I was just, as we just draw it all to a close, that I was thinking on. Because of resurrection, when Jesus, you know, broke the power of sin and darkness and rose from the grave, he actually gave us a, there are three things that he gave us instructions about. The first thing I want to say is this, as the church, the church through the resurrection has been given a new command. A new command. You may say, well, what is that? Well, let me tell you, this new command, if you are from the church here today, you belong to church, you have faith in Jesus, there is a new command. You've heard this said before, but I've been praying that with great simplicity and power that it would wash over us. The new command is this, and it's found in Matthew chapter 28. Because this is after the resurrection and now Jesus is revealing himself to his disciples and to many others. And we see in Matthew chapter 8, verse 19, if it comes on the screen, there we are. Therefore, go and make disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We've been given a new command. We've been given a new commission. We've been given a new mandate. Why do I say that? Well, this is new because before this message was just for the Jews. But now God is saying and Jesus is saying, I want you to go into all the world. This is not just for a separate group of people. This new command, this new, this new mandate, this new mission It's for everybody. And can I just say, you know, that it's so important that as a church, we we don't just enjoy Resurrection Sunday, or we don't just enjoy Resurrection Sunday to ourselves every day, because we need to enjoy it every day. But there's something in our hearts that says, we want to take this message to the world. Thanks, Chris. Okay, we want to take this message to the world. That it's not just for me. You know, so many people, you know, you come across, and I've been there, that I now know this Jesus. I now enjoy the benefits of serving Jesus. He forgives all my sins. He cleanses all my diseases. He he restores my youth. Some of you need some restoring looking around, but I'll go to the other side, okay? You know, but, you know, all these benefits that come to our life, and we just enjoy the benefits. But it's about us going. And making Jesus known, making Jesus known to the world, making Jesus known, Dean, in that hydropower business, <laughs> making Jesus known, Roy, on the football stands or the squash court of where you play. Don't ever challenge him to squash, he'll kill you, okay? <laughs> he'll squat you like a fly, <laughs> Okay. Don't just go and tell Jesus where you are, Kerry, in your workplace. Sorry, you know, just, just keep it to yourself. Go and tell Jesus wherever you are. This message needs to get out into the world. Secondly, we've been given a new instruction. I love this. 
Because it could be, we could argue that, okay, well, that's great, this new command, but how can I go? Well, this new instruction is this, go with resurrection power. Because this new instruction now, because he has risen from the grave, there is a power that is now at work in all of our lives that call on the name of Jesus. And Ephesians 1 verse 19 through to 20 says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Can I hear a big amen? And seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. This is paraphrasing it and Hillsong, I think it was Hillsong, did a beautiful song around it. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, lives in me. The same power that raised Christ from the grave lives in every one of us. So as we go with this new instruction, we go with resurrection power. He has not left us on our own. Let me take you back to Matthew 28, the very end of verse 20. And he gives them the instructions to go. And then he says, and lo, I will be with you always to the very ends of the earth. He wasn't saying go and as you go, I'm going to stay here. He says, as you go, I'll go with you. The same power that raised Christ from the grave. The same power that was resident in Jesus resides in every one of our hearts. We do need a revival of salvation. We also need a revival of healing. We need a revival, a transformation of communities. And I'm believing for it all, friends. To my dying day, I'll believe every, every moment what I've just declared there. Because this is the power of the resurrection. Thirdly, not only a new command, not only a new instruction, but there is also a new invitation. The new invitation... This is interesting because you say, this isn't new. Well, it is. Because the new invitation is found in John chapter 21 and verse 19. And if you've got a Bible, please turn with me. It'll come on the screen. But let me give you a little bit of context to it. There was one disciple. Well, here's a bit of question and answer. It's an easy question. Who was the one who disowned Jesus? Peter. Peter was the one who disowned Jesus. He said, when the cock crows, then you'll have realized. And the cock crowed as sunrise, you know, as the sun was coming up and he realized he'd messed up. And that was it. He thought his life was over and he was done. He'd been on a journey with Jesus for three years, but he's done and dusted. And listen, I've come across countless stories, even here, where you feel you've done something and you feel you're finished. I want to announce to you quietly, you're not finished. I can't help myself because it's just what I live with. But is the God, I'll say it again, of the second chance and the third chance and the fourth chance and the fifth chance. He doesn't want you to mess up, but I'm telling you, his grace, his mercy, his arms are always outstretched to us. And Peter was in this place. And actually, John chapter 21 talks about the reinstatement of Peter. And Jesus comes to him, 
And you've got to read it for yourself in John 21. But he asks him a number of questions. And Peter begins to get upset. Because he asks him almost the same question. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you really love me? And he gives him the instructions. Well, take care of my sheep. And he was prophesying over his future. He was just saying, you're going to be a leader in the church. My sheep. That's what he's talking about. He wasn't saying, you're going to go and be a shepherd out in the fields. He was saying... My people are like sheep and you're going to take care of them. And I don't just want you to take care of them, but I want you to go and feed them. So he was prophesying that he was going to be a Bible teacher. He was going to be a pillar in the, in the church of God. This man who completely disowned Jesus at the most pivotal hour. But this is what I was really struck by I was, as, as I was thinking on these verses. Because it says there, Jesus says some other things to Peter about the kind of death in which he would die. And then he says to him, follow me. He'd already given him that. That was the first words he'd heard from Jesus. Can you remember going back to the early gospels, those who know the Bible? He said to a group of fishermen, what did he say? Come follow me. But here we have him now saying the same words that he began with. But it was new. It was a new invitation. It was new because it was through the resurrection. Come, follow me. And this was not just an invitation to come and join a group. It wasn't just a name to belong to. This this word, follow, is a verb. And anybody knows the English language, that means it's a doing word. It isn't a noun, to na- a name to belong to. It wasn't an organization to join. It was, for this following, was to be outworked. It means to join to. It means to be associated with. It means to attend. And Jesus was saying to Peter, come follow me. Come join with me. Come associate with me. This is a new invitation that I offer you, Peter. Will you take it up? And it's interesting this morning, because we've got a tank here. It's not because that's just what we do in this church. But periodically throughout the year, we baptize people. People who have come to faith in Jesus. And this is what they're basically saying in this public act. I am now following Jesus. Phil often says, most people get it wrong about baptism. They think baptism is about endings, perfections, when I'm good enough, when I'm perfect enough. You never will. Baptism is about beginnings. And this is somebody who's saying today, I'm going to go through the waters of baptism. This is the beginning of my journey of my faith and I'm going to commit my life and put my trust in Jesus And I am going to follow him. But let me now take it back to you. And for a moment, I want to talk to everybody. But I want to talk particularly to those who are Christians. Hmm, interesting. Because we can come week after week. And yet this is a new invitation on Resurrection Sunday that Jesus is offering to you. 
He offered it you at salvation, at conversion, but he's now offering it to you again. Why do I say that is? Because Peter wasn't truly surrendered. But in this moment, he now understood what it would take to follow Jesus. And he understood that he needed to surrender his all to Jesus. This means to say he was going to surrender his life, his his future, his finances, all to Jesus. There's a beautiful hymn that we sing. I love this hymn. I really do. It's called, I Surrender All. Some of you are real historians of hymns. I'm not. But it was written by a man by the name of Judson Van Deventer. I don't know whether I'm pronouncing that right, uh, Roland. He was an American, but certainly had a Dutch name. Judson Van Deventer. But what I was intrigued about this man, why did he write such a song? Well, he had a struggle. And it was a five-year struggle. And he was in faith at this point. But the struggle was his passion was art. He was an artist. He was a teacher, but he was an artist. He wanted to just paint and just create. But there was an inner battle because he felt the call of God on his life to be an evangelist. And for five years, he struggled. For five years, Internally was fighting. Which way would he go? And he ultimately came to the point where he said, Jesus, I surrender all. Within that five-year journey, he penned this hymn that I'm going to just read to you as I close. And then these guys are just going to lead us through and I'll give some instruction to how we're going to go with this as we draw it to a close. But this is what he says. All to Jesus I surrender all to him. I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Here's another um, verse. All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me Jesus. Take me now. Listen to me. Some Christians here, there's a new invitation that's coming to you in this moment. And the invitation is, will you surrender all to him? No holding back. Your career, your future, your finances. Will you give it all to him? Will I give it all to him? Because there's a new invitation. For some of you, it's your first time here. And you don't know Jesus, but you've heard something of Jesus throughout the message. And you say, Christian, I need this Jesus in my life. You do, sir. You do, madam. You do, young person. He's the only one who can help you. He's the only way, one who can direct your life. He's the only one who wants to bless you and wants good for your life. It's absolutely true. And today you say, I want to surrender all to him too. In a few moments... I'm going to pray a prayer where we can do exactly that. You can surrender for the first time, but it may be that you're a Christian here and you surrender from your heart and say, I want to give everything to the Lord because that's the kind of people who will change the world. I wonder if Kevin Hanna would just lead us in that for a moment. Just sing it through.
Is that okay? And then I'll step in. Just stay where you are for a moment. Just let this song wash over you.